0: Welcome to Uphill Conversations, your ride-along partners for your emerging future. Everything in life
1: worth having is uphill. You can't go uphill with downhill habits. It's time for another show with your host Tim Piccaro and
0: Megan Finner. Are you ready to be inspired? Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Uphill Conversations. I'm your host, Tim.
1: And I'm Megan.
0: And we're so glad you can join us today as you are living your life and heading toward your emerging future. Hopefully you are eliminating any downhill habits and canceling out all agreements with limiting beliefs. And yes, it is true, verdad, that you can be more, do more, and have more. So what's up, headstand?
1: (laughs) Not much. How's
0: your head doing? It's good. You know what I'm wondering? Do you have a soft spot on your head?
1: No, like, I have a weird like divot though in the back of my head. Oh,
0: wow. Okay. Well, I wasn't trying weird. to find some flaw, but no, <laughs>
1: yeah, I was I just
0: have, going by It's the, really weird.
1: Like, so I have really weird colleagues. Like, the, the world stuff. record know, wow. that
0: you didn't break that I you would have gotten a million dollars for. It's
1: true. It's true. So, you know what I'm wondering? <laughs> I'm wondering how many people out there, it's the 15th day of the month. I mean, how many people have already broken their New Year's resolutions? Because I bet a lot.
0: I hear a whole lot of
1: snapping. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so here's the thing. Okay, okay Like people let's, who are like,
1: "I'm gonna eat less chocolate."
0: That's not happening. <laughs> it's not happening. Like when I Okay, so I did Setting learn yourself up. For I did failure. learn this thing. Like yeah. so, you know, I'm a movie buff, and I love foreign films better than any other kind of film. So, but um, so you know, I watch some kind of interesting things, but. It's interesting how this person that I saw in this one movie I was watching recently, where he talked about how you know, um, you know, he gave up one thing for another. But like even the guy we interviewed, Terry Ogburn, mm-hmm. he said that it, he gave up his cigarettes, but he sucked on a lifesaver, and it wasn't day, because it was the same thing; it was just something else. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm, I'm saying? Right. So it it's like, but I feel like that's the thing people—that's what people miss out on. It's that. If you're going to keep these things, it's got to be a desire. It's got to be a real demand on it. Mm -hmm. But you've got to feel something back from it. Something's got to happen. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get anything back, you're going to just be back at that same thing. It's just not going to change. And Mm -hmm. you just kind of give up. Yeah. Right. So what's it about? Like, you you know, those commercials, like those yogurt commercials where it's like, remember it had the like itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini. Remember that? And it was hanging up and she, Uh but that was her goal. Yeah. But then I wonder like after the summer, is it the cycle though to go back to right. not being able to wear the bikini?
1: Oh yeah. Well, isn't it like the average American puts on like ten to fifteen pounds during the holidays or something like that? Like eight to fifteen. I think you like that?
0: you averaged like negative.
1: <laughs> I don't. You're always going backwards. Every time I
0: turn see you, you're going backwards. That's not true. You gain like two pounds, lose 10.
1: No, that's not true.
0: That's like my son, Luke. He gets taller and skinnier. Yeah. Like he could wear like zero clothes, (laughs) like zero size. But when you go to buy for men, it's weird because they don't have like size zero. Oh, no. And so like. don't
1: even get me started on clothing sizes. Yeah.
0: It's like Eden, my daughter, the only kid I know that's tall and skinny and narrow Mm -hmm. hips like
1: her. Yeah.
0: Like her, her leggings can just come right off. (laughs) Like she needs a belt on her leggings. Yeah.
1: I think the funniest thing is, I don't remember when this was, but not too long ago, Eileen had put on a pair of pants and they just looked like they were really short. They were like 18 month pants. She's five and a half and they still fit. Her waist is the same size it was when she was 18 All
0: right. I'm going to do some unpre- something unprecedented. Yes. I want my question.
1: No, I oh I'm going to give it to you. I want it now. I'm giving it to you right now. Okay, are you ready?
0: I'm re- Okay. I, I already asked. I have two what and is I the have stall? I have two What's and the I stall? Have, well, I'm, I'm trying to pick you.
1: between these two. So I'm ready. I've got it. Okay. So Timothy, what is oh, boy. One, <laughs> What is one thing you're glad you tried but you would never do again? Whoa. <laughs> It's a family once show, once again, it's a family
0: show. Okay, <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, better. Oh my gosh, um, hmm. you're
1: like going through the fi- the files right now, like,
0: <sighs> oh my gosh, drawer. yeah, and there's a lot of them flying out of my <laughs> file drawer <laughs> right now. Uh, something I would that I, I'm glad I tried, but I would never do again. Um, um, uh, okay, I will say this because. I always had a I've always had a sensitive tummy. Mm-hmm. Um ever since I was a little kid. Yeah. Um I have travel anxieties, like not that I don't like going anywhere, mm-hmm. but like because of comfort or proximity and like uh, near what's comfortable for me, mm-hmm. so I have a hard time. Like you have tummy troubles. Tummy trumbles, troubles, troubles. Mm-hmm. And and so ever since I was little. But I also like anything that gets too peppery, spicy or whatever. Mhm. So, one time, I was in Central America, and I tried some food that, um, let's just say, um, had more spice than... First of all, the people I know that love the most heat wouldn't do this. Yeah. But it smelled so good. Yeah. And they were like, just take a bite. I mean, what's... Like, literally, so I'm talking to these people, where it's in Spanish, and they're like, just take... It's just a bite. Yeah. Have some bread. You know what I mean? Like, put some... Mm -hmm. And so I did that and literally for the whole week I was there, um, it was, um, you had to I had you. a lot of, I had a lot of problems. <laughs> so I'm glad I tried it. Yeah. Because it was a very traditional thing, but had mm-hmm. a lot of heat. Yeah. And it was good. And the thing is, is I like spicy food.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: My body just doesn't like it. Yeah. And it's not like something's wrong with me or anything like that. It's just, it doesn't work. Yeah. And so I feel bad. I'm the guy at the table where everybody's like, oh, let's have all this with this curry and all this like spiced up stuff. And I'm the one that goes, I can't eat that. Yeah. And like, What's wrong with you? I'm yeah. like, I can't eat You're it. You have a like, sensitive demo. I would love to eat it. Yeah. It, because the thing is, most people think I don't like the way it tastes or feels. Mm-hmm. No, I like it. Mm-hmm. I just, my body just re, has sense. I was little. Yeah, has rejected it. So it was a weird Central American trip. Yeah, and all I can tell you is I would. I'm glad I tried that. Yeah, but I would never ever do that again. <laughs> like half a jalapeno pepper is yeah. like way too much for me.
1: Yeah, that's funny. I mean, not funny because I'm sure it wasn't funny at the time.
0: And actually, jalapeno. <laughs>
1: um, okay, so we've got a great guest today.
0: We do. Mr. Lee McDermott. Mm-hmm. Someone who I met, which was great because in our little reunion and our time of talking, um, it was really cool uh, to sit with him again because I, I hadn't seen him in I don't even know how long. Mm-hmm. He's um, He works with a very good friend of mine um, that's in ministry as well and uh, that I've known for 20 plus years. The guy that shaved my head for mm-hmm. the first time when I was trying to go through some <clears throat> some change. and uh, But yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. He's just a really great, down to earth guy, and and I was I had jean jacket envy. He had a, he looked great in his jean jacket.
1: Yeah, I did. So I'm. I I, I, it. <laughs> oh I
0: was like, I was like, my jean jacket doesn't look yeah. like that on me.
1: No, he looked.
0: Yeah, kind of weird. Yeah, I was like looking at him like that. Yeah, <laughs> he's uh, probably gonna listen to this and be like, what? But I liked him in his jean jacket. I was yeah. like, dude, that jean jacket is. Oh,
1: that's good. Nice. Uh, No, I really enjoyed having him on the show. I I think one thing that was really neat um, that the guests wouldn't know unless I revealed this is he um, he came in and was really sensitive and kind of, you know, he is a guy who he's a believer in, you know, in Christ. He's a Christian and he has a very strong faith and he. He said, you know, I want to make sure that, um, you know, I'm doing what is best f- for your listeners. And I think that that was really great is because he wasn't thinking about what, what he wanted to share. He didn't really have an agenda. He wanted to make sure that he could um, give the best thing possible to our listeners. And the great conversation we had with him, just like any of our guests, is we said, you know, we just want you to be who you are. And just share that with the world. And um, and he did that. And I thought that it was just great.
0: And I, and I feel like, and for those of you listening, you know, you may have some reactions. We have listeners all over mm-hmm. the globe. You know, we look at our analytics. We can't tell you exactly where, but I mean, you know, I mean, we can, like nations, continents, everything. Mm-hmm. But we we know that people have different beliefs. And yeah. what I love is that's the power of us being people is how we show up with our belief systems. Mm-hmm. And he, you can just see, he just embodies that. And yeah. he shares from such a real peaceful place to where my thing is, is this is like, you know, I don't care how much, you know, until I know how much you care. Number mm-hmm. one. And the second thing is, this is, you know, when, when I've spent my time learning about you, right. Mm-hmm you know, that's when you may be open to hearing from me. And I think right. he carries that. Yeah. And so what you're saying is, you know, I, I believe that is so true. And I, I think we need more of that in the world, you know, to be able to hear from other people, because if there is a change to be had,
1: mm-hmm. that's the
0: only way it's going to happen anyway. Yeah. So, Hey, we would love to hear from you. Always connect with us at Tim at UphillConversations.co or Megan at uphill You can find us on the web, the interwebs in this big, 2018 year of new beginning, uh, uphillconversations.co, or please listen to our other one, our uphill conversations with young prof- professionals, ucyp.co, and on the Twitter, yep, that is at
1: uphill uh, uphillcombo.
0: combo, and mm-hmm. on Instagram at uphill yeah, at uphill combo, <laughs> oh my gosh, and so uh, yeah,
1: and Facebook you can find us in the book conversation, yeah, bookface. So without any further delay, let's jump into this episode with Lee. Welcome to the show, Lee. Um, I think it would be awesome if you could um, tell our guests a little bit about who you are and how you're showing up in the world.
2: Well, my name is Lee McDermott. My, My current, you know, kind of nine to five job in life is the campus pastor at New Spring Church here in Greenville, South Carolina and um you know showing up in in life you know my my journey basically is you know kind of exiting high school loving music math science pretty much everything going to clemson to study chemical engineering
1: okay
2: which is that's, what
0: I, yeah that's that's like a <laughs>
1: that's different
0: Oh yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. No one would draw that line. Sure, no. if you,
2: if you, you know, like it's a product of having a dad who's an engineer, but also wants you to be very well rounded. You know, like growing up, we want you to be great at, you know using a shovel and a an ax and a hammer. And also we want to let you, you know, make you take lessons to learn how to do waltz and foxtrot and everything else like that. So it's like my, my and the my, Charleston, right. My, my dad was, he absolutely pushed my brother and I to, you know, his phrase well-rounded. He wanted us to be very well-rounded people, but the curse of the well-rounded person is what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Ah, you know? Yeah. So the exiting high school, going into Clemson, um, you know studying chemical engineering found myself three semesters in kind of a major crisis of faith and f- had this supernatural moment feeling like the the voice of the universe you know Jesus Christ speaking to me saying it's okay son you leave this all behind follow me and so that transformed me and i it, what awakened in me Again, was this kind of purpose to help serve and build the, you know, ancient, mysterious, beautiful bride of Christ, the church, through music. Now, in my, you know, in my estimation, that meant you know, kind of wearing a suit every Sunday and you know <laughs> becoming a choir director and doing all that stuff. But um so I've transferred to Anderson University, studied. You know, was basically focused on choral conducting and stuff, and then started it with this little church.
0: Wait a second, so that you mean, means you know Brandon Gilliard and Alpheus Absolutely, Anderson. oh yeah. You know Brandon, he used to travel with me. Yeah. with bands. How about that? And Alpheus, like those, yeah. these are guys that those
2: are, guys are real musicians. Yeah, they're incredible. Well, <laughs> those you know, are real musicians. Well,
0: my son, by the time <laughs> he hears this, he'll ha- he will have received his. I got an email. He'll ha- he will have. He would have gotten his first acceptance letter uh, to Belmont University. Wow. And he's an incredible, he's stolen my guitars. I love it. He (laughs) plays all of them. And he's like, he frustrates me and other guys that are just really good. Mm -hmm. And he makes us look bad. Yeah. So Brandon Gilliard and Alpheus, and then his brother yeah. Marcus, who yeah. played with Prince, right? And who, all these guys traveled with me, but they are—we yep. all went to college together, yeah. And they—they yep. they, talked to him, which is great. And I let him build his own relationship with them. That's I believe awesome. that's the important thing. So it's really oh, yeah. cool. I didn't even know, man, that yeah, you,
2: that's A- awesome. absolutely. We were all in college together. I mean, love—I love you know each one of those each one of those guys, and. You know, it's funny when, when college is kind of over, we all kind of like go into right. our own separate lives. ways, and, yeah. <laughs> but we still stay connected and, and um, I'm a huge fan of those guys. They're
0: amazing geniuses. He, this is great, man! Mm-hmm. It's like a small world. So we just discovered this for those of you listening. So don't <laughs> yeah. don't freak out. We're just like, whoa, this happened. And Sean and Sean Bigby, Sean, wow, and Sean. What a voice! Sean sang with me when I would yeah. travel around. So yeah. I mean, it was it's a trip. Yeah, this is awesome. Big voice, bigger heart. Oh I mean, yeah, he's the dude. He's can, amazing. He can sing. Yeah. Like he doesn't call it singing. It's can you sing? Oh yeah.
2: You better sang. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: That's how you really say. It. You better That's sang, right. you better Sean. Sang, sang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's awesome. So okay, so so you were at Anderson. So kind of what like what's the path from there? Yeah.
2: Our, our, you know, our church basically started up out of a Bible study and you know, it launched January of two thousand. New Spring Church started in January of two thousand, really, just with about a hundred people. Most of college students, me and all my buddies were there. And, um, you know, our founding pastor at the time asked me to come on and and be the worship leader, so we can't pay you, but we'll help you find a job. <laughs> it just had this same kind of ring inside my soul that the, you know, being called into ministry from out of engineering, it, had, it felt the same. So I started up, you know, as the first hire at New Spring Church back in 2000 as the worship leader the day after I graduated, Gra- get the diploma on Saturday, first day of work is Sunday. <laughs> I mean, and that was 17 years ago. Wow. So it's you know it's been a wild ride. You know we the path the kind of the trajectory and the path of our church. I mean, we started off with about 100 people and now serve about 20,000 people all over the all over the state of South Carolina. So it's it's a it's a wonderful kind of miraculous journey.
1: And I guess it, I would just love to know. Could you explain a little bit what a what a campus pastor is for people who may sure. not know?
2: So the 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 way that our church operates right now, it's it's kind of a one church, many locations kind of a a thinking to where, you know, our primary campus is the the first city that we began in in Anderson. And so at that location, that's where we'll have, you know, our our teaching team, our preachers will preach live from there, but then it gets broadcast live. So everybody is synced up together at at each one of the cities where we're in, um, like for instance, us here in, in Greenville, we have a band, full pastoral staff, everything that's like that. And what we do is, our, and if you were to come to one of our services, we would all worship together live in the room, and then we would turn on the video that's connected to Anderson, so that and to every other campus, so that we're all kind of joined together. So it's it's a beautiful thing to kind of like be one church across a lot of miles, um, just sort of one heart for you know, just to just to see people thrive and and to see God's kingdom built,
0: you know, wherever we are. So when it comes to like discovering compassion, so for some people, I mean, they may be obviously in a different spot Mm -hmm. and they may be struggling with purpose and figuring out how to get there. Like, you know, you had this moment because you, let's just say, so in your case, it's, you know, you you grew to where you had a relationship you felt and you knew Mm -hmm. with God, but and with your savior, Mm -hmm. right? And, But some people may not know that, right? So they may feel something else, right? So let's just use the word infinite intelligence. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll just use that word for now. Sure. So there's something greater that everybody believes they're created Mm -hmm. from, right? So how, what can you do to help people as you made that switch where Mm -hmm. here you were kind of like, oh, you know, I got this in me, and then I'm doing this path, and then all of a sudden, boop you know sure. go back over here yeah. so what are some steps like so practical things like listening like i mean what what would you say to help people find that way to a passion but also encouraging them to listen to the higher calling and higher purpose right
2: I, you know a lot of times you can get you can make a couple of choices early on like right when you get out of college into what will simply put food on the table and then wake up 10 20 years later and find that you know, you're you're asking big questions like, "What am I doing with my life?" You know what I mean, that kind of thing, and you make these decisions early on that basically set course for your life, but you forget why you originally got into it, and if you could go back, you would you would totally do something different. I mean, we you know talk to people, see stories like that all the time, and so the correlation that I that I make there is. A lot of times, if you're trying to figure out where do I fit, where do I need to go, you can kind of make those judgments by just basically saying, well, where do I not want to go? Mm. Sometimes understanding what you don't want to do or be or what motivates you, you know, like what motivations do I not want to listen to, are really good guides along the way. For me at Clemson at that particular point in time, what I realized. And I don't think my dad would have agreed with this. It was like my dad's guidance. he just wanted what was best for me, and you know kind of helped me pick a a decently wise course. But when I got into it, what I realized is I was living someone else's path. You know what I mean right the day in day out of all that stuff it didn't make me come alive at all. I wanted to you know I'd rather set my head on fire than <laughs> than do some of the things that you know i was I was thinking about doing and i and I remember thinking this, I am trying to force myself to understand these processes and this way of thinking all just so that I can have a decent salary.
0: Yes, that does make it, sense. It's
2: all just for a kind of, it's all for a
0: middle-class income. Why? Right. Why would I do that? Or just to advance and then you could even still profit, make a lot of money. Sure, but then you're going to still get to the end of the road, and you're going to look up, exactly. and you're going to go, "What do I have?" Yeah, and most people may and have a struggle ev- saying
2: it. Right, everybody, and you know this as well as I do. Everybody who is simply after the money that that's just a it's just a time, you know, it's just a matter of time before they tell you, it's not all it's cracked up to be. You know, yeah. chasing the dollar. Ah, eh, you know, when you finally get all the money, those are the people who are who really have a crisis of identity, a crisis of faith, a crisis of, you know, like, you know, all of the wreckage of that, that path is clear. And so I think when, you know, when you ask the question, how do you help, you know, like what kind of practical steps can you invite people on just to, you know, to help them discover what that is? Obviously from my perspective, the infinite intelligence, you know, I would say slow down long enough and simply ask the question, God, if you're real, will you please help Will you please tell me why did you put me here on earth? Like why? It, most people, they're just moving so fast, they don't even take the time to, to ask that question. And I just believe, you know, my in my, you know, faith journey, the the things that I believe about Jesus Christ, about about God, is that He is good, that He loves you, that every single human being is endowed with dignity and purpose and beauty. And so if you just said, you know what, on this Thursday afternoon, I'm going to go to a coffee shop, I'm going to sit for about two hours with a blank piece of paper, and I'm just going to ask the question, God, why am I on earth? If you are who you say you are, would you just talk to me a little bit? I've never seen, I've never heard of anybody asking that question and not getting a life changing answer. Mm. Because, I mean, we share the same faith. Right. So like... Anytime I have ever asked a deep, soul-searching question of God, silence is typically not what I get back. Right. I may get back something difficult, you know, (laughs) like I want you to make this course whether it was scary. But what you also get with that is this little deposit of peace, enough just to make you feel a little bit giddy and think, maybe anything is possible. Maybe yeah. I could do this other thing that I never thought I could do. Maybe I can break loose from all of the chains of somebody else's plan for my life mm-hmm. and chart a different course. So, I think Which is scary. It's extremely scary. It scares people. Yeah, but I would imagine to the people listening to your podcast,
0: they're willing to. They're looking for the yeah. scary thing. Yeah, they are. They're
2: looking for the scary. They're yeah. looking for the, what's the wildest thing I can get my hands on to be more, do more, have more. And my advice to anybody who would just, you know, if they're sitting across the table from me, the thing that I would say is, God absolutely knows the answers to all of those questions for you. If you can slow down long enough and ask him a question and dare to believe, A, that he loves you enough to talk to you, and B, that he is smart enough to have the most ideal answer to those questions. If you can believe those two things, even just a whisper of belief, I guarantee you something life-changing might happen in that moment. And can we make a
0: number three and have the willingness?
2: Oh yeah. To do whatever comes (laughs) next. Yeah. 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 You ask the question, you wait for an answer
0: (laughs) along with this caveat, whatever I write down, I'm going to do like, let's, Mm -hmm. there was a, there was a guy we (laughs) interviewed, Terry, that was a couple of days ago. And, he, his father he grew up in a military home and one of the things he said was like there's three seconds that exist between courage and coward <laughs> yeah hey that'll preach yeah yeah but do you know what I mean <laughs> courage and coward yeah yep. you know and it was like that hit me because I've you know I've been known to say in the past like with my children I have three kids you know and so mm-hmm. if there were 12 kids I was watching and there was a car coming down the highway or down in my neighborhood and I got mm-hmm. 12 kids in the road I can tell you three kids mm. that I'm grabbing, oh yeah, I'm gonna try to grab more, <laughs> yeah, but there are three, mm-hmm. like do you understand what i mean it's like it's like it's like that little like that's gonna happen, mm-hmm. it's the same thing like if you know I mean, I know you, I know her, if someone i mean if there sure. were four people trying to attack the two of you, yeah. I know within that 3 seconds courage is coming because sure. mm-hmm. that's just how I'm wired hey. and I built enough of that inside of right. myself. And mm-hmm. and
2: so to your to your illustration love is the rocket
0: fuel that
2: gets you mm-hmm. in the right direction inside of that 3 seconds. Right. right. It's lo- love is love is the rocket fuel on that. Mm-hmm. And so yeah,
1: yeah, and I mean and I think you said you've got what was it like three choices, you can hunker down and you can just wait for it. Right. You can run.
0: Right, that was the other way. Yeah, retreat, you know, yeah, round retreat. Or
1: you can make a decision to be brave and yeah. to face it and yep. to do something about it. So within three seconds. Within three seconds, <laughs> you gotta figure that
0: out. Don't forget the three <laughs> seconds. People are going yeah. one, two, three. I don't know if I could do that. You can do it. It's yeah. in you, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the fuel is love.
2: Like, I love mm-hmm. that. That's right. Uh, for For a lot of people, I think maybe for some of your listeners who who are who resonate with that, I, the thing that I encounter on more Sundays are people who do not have a deep enough appreciation for who God made them to be. They don't love themselves enough. So that's that's the marker. When something crazy in life comes up, they don't believe that. They don't have enough courage to be able to step out in something new. They don't have enough courage to like kind of run off and self-sacrifice, all of that stuff. It all comes back to love. How much do you love who God made you to be? How much do you love? You? When you look in the mirror, do you see regret? Do you see not good enough? If you see love when you look in the mirror for yourself, you're going to take courage and you're not going to feel like the risk is so high when you jump into the next thing. You're going to believe, you know what, I think I can do that thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know what I mean? I owe it to myself to be able to try. You know what I mean? So anyway.
1: Yeah. No, I think that's I think that's awesome. I was interviewed on a podcast almost a year ago now. Might have been a year ago. And I think that he asked me, you know, what's the secret of life? And that was my answer. I just said mm-hmm. love. I yeah. mean, that's – or the meaning of life. You know, mm-hmm. what is it? It's love. Like that's – that's what it is. I think, in the purest uh, sense of the word. So, as you're talking, I mean, obviously, you've gone through a lot of um, change and and made some different pivots in your um, in your life and even in your career. And you know, so New Spring, it's been around 17 years now. Mm-hmm. So, tell us about uh, as it's gone from a hundred to you know, tens of thousands of. Um, of people coming to worship, you know, what have been some changes and transitions along the way and, you know, and how have you, um, how have you sort of navigated that? Because, sure. you know, you were the first employee and, mm-hmm. and now it's this great organization. Well,
2: you know, if any organization that experiences like rocket style, explosive growth, you get introduced to change pretty quickly and mm-hmm. you got to learn how to like sort of emotionally cope with, with all of that, that stuff in 2002, um, you know, you know, we were basically a college student church, you know, in 2002, we'd had about, you know, three, four, 500 People coming through summer. All of a sudden, you know, in August of that year on week on one week we had five hundred and the next week we had almost a thousand instead of inside of six weeks later, fifteen hundred people were regularly coming to our church. So wow. this is like just three or four staff members. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we're wondering, you know, yeah. which end is up, what like, do we do, where yeah, do we we've put reached everybody. Capacity. Exactly. <laughs> There's a line of people wanting to come in. It is like legitimate, like we've never we we're way we're in, in too deep. Yeah. So, you know, in in something like that. You know, you can feel like it's going to be all joy, but it's really the anxiety level skyrockets. Mm-hmm. So early on, you kind of have to develop this deep trust, not only in God but in yourself and what He's made you to be able to do, and just believe that He's going to give you the right insight in, in the moment to be able to handle um, a transition like that. In you know, in two thousand eight, seven or eight, we started doing church completely differently from going from having a vision for one city where we're in there. You know, somebody speaking from the stage to one group of people live to doing this campuses thing, like this video teaching thing, which is now a lot of churches are doing this. It's you know more of a franchise type of model to put a a business world name on it. Um, But that was another big shift that we had to not just get ourselves ready to do, but to guide other people Mm -hmm. through, um, which was which was pretty crazy. Most recently, in in 2016, we went we underwent a major leadership change. Um, which was extremely difficult. Again, the keys to that were honestly looking to God. I mean, like to me, I'm I had to go all the way back to that 19 year old kid who was a chemical engineering student mm-hmm. and ask the question: Okay, who got you? A, who got you into this? Do you trust that person? And because you can still trust him now. So I mean, like mm-hmm. if 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 Jesus Christ got me into it in 1997, Mm -hmm. um, then I could trust him in 2016 to be able to chart course for the next season of life, whatever that looked like. So from, you know, I think in seasons of change, you just have to have a deeper ballast than your circumstances. You know what I mean? When the storm comes, are you rooted enough to be able to stay put and understand that a few branches might break off, but you're going to be standing when the sunlight comes out again. You know what I mean? And those that's kind of our that was our heart and mentality. It was just like, hey, you know, our our grandparents, the greatest generation, went through way
0: tougher stuff than this. So we
2: can't bail out now.
0: You know what I mean? How did you going from nineteen, because see, there's still a nineteen year old self in you. Mm-hmm. Right. And you catalog that. Yep. You know, I mean, I I know the importance of renewing your mind, but you still have a guy in there. Yep. That had to go back and trust. But that was trusting at a deity level.
2: Mm-hmm you Know yeah.
0: the one and only, yep, right? And you're still human, yep, and you're still dealing with people. Mm-hmm. And there are people that thought maybe you may be supporting a leadership shift that mm-hmm. was different yep. or a change of relationship that was different, like they need help with that, yep, and they don't know, you know, what do you know that could help them in that shift. Especially if it's
2: not gonna be popular. Sure. So you know, just you know, for an example, like if you know, if if a mentor of yours has a moral failure or you lose your boss for some reason, or they just somebody just leaves somebody who's significant in your life, makes a life choice and moves on to something different, the most helpful thing that I embraced during that season in twenty sixteen for us was to fully embrace the process of grief. Mm. To know that like this this was a grief. This was a loss. If you don't allow yourself to walk through all five steps and they are not linear, right. The episode like the all of the anger, all of the the disbelief, all the bargaining. If I had done this and that, if I had done that, then maybe this would have come out different. Like all that stuff, you've got to feel it all, speak to it all, let it have its moment, all of the sadness that's in there to work all the way through to acceptance on the very end, if you don't allow yourself that, if you just try to white knuckle it, stuff it down, you know, whatever, it's going to come raging back in a volcano and spill out onto your loved ones and everything else like that. You've got to give yourself enough space and enough moment in a, in a, in a, uh, time of extreme loss to be able to feel it all and to deal with it all. I went to counseling in order to deal with, with some of the things because you know, our, our Perry, our founding pastor, I mean, he, He's, you know, a hero of mine, called me, you know, he was the guy who, who hired me to do the job. When the circumstances just kind of dictated that he needed to take another path, that was very difficult. And grieving that loss, I think, was, was something that helped me kind of like see through to the, to the other side of it and to know that there was hope and that, you know, nothing was over and that there was a new chapter beginning. So when you have to end up closing that chapter, the thing that I would just strongly encourage anybody who who has experienced loss like that in any kind of area, if you lost a parent, a loved one, you had to make a major career change, I mean, anytime even a season just naturally comes to a close and you have to begin a new one, giving yourself the space to walk through grief is a massive way to heal.
1: So if you find yourself in that situation, I think that in – America and in our culture, I don't think it's necessarily socially acceptable for people to do that, sure, especially. Yeah. Um, it, <clears throat> excuse me. Even in just very patriarchal things, where you know the man mm-hmm. is supposed to be the strong head of home, or yeah. um, so. So, if you find yourself in that, or even a, as a female in business who you don't want to show weakness, mm-hmm. what encouragement or advice would you give to somebody? Because I think. They do need to do that, but yeah. how can you allow yourself to be vulnerable or how do you speak that out to other people mm-hmm. in our world where maybe that isn't something that other people view as okay?
2: Sure. I think, you know, obviously in marketplace climate, you've, you've got to be able to show up from nine to five and, and do the work. Mm-hmm. The soul care has got to happen outside of that. I think that you know if you find yourself alone in some of those circumstances I mean this is this is honestly where for us as the as the church this is our opportunity to be able to help and serve and so that that's where I would say if somebody in a marketplace is kind of experiencing something like that if you don't feel like you can voice those things then that's when you got to put your boxing gloves on and go into a fight and go find the right people who you know you can talk to lean on some friends and just tell them hey look for this next couple of weeks I'm going to be seriously needy. I promise I will pay you back when it's your turn to be needy. You can come and cry on my shoulder, you know, for as long as it takes. I'm about to be needy on you for a couple of months, so just so we're clear. You know like I've had to say that to a couple of friends a different season before. like, "Hey man, I'm going to come over to your house like literally every Sunday night." Like we just kind of jokingly called it suicide watch, you know what I mean? So I'll just go over there because mm-hmm. And just to keep myself from getting in a bad place. I mean that's where you, like you can lean on your friends, being vulnerable like that is actually a show of love and trust to someone that opens their love and trust up. It's a it's a wonderfully What's that called?
0: relationship. Oh, yeah. Imagine that. Imagine that. Vulnerability. But I love it. It's that vulnerability. Sure. And I love it's like What if we could not pick and choose? What if Mm -hmm. we could just make it all? Sure. What if we could just live? Yeah. What if you get to be Lee on this podcast? And then, I don't know, you and I meet for dinner next week, which you can buy. (laughs) Right? But you get to be the same guy. Yeah. Right? And then you hang out with Megan and I and we go talk to some company. Sure. You get to be who? Lee. The same guy. Right. Yep. It doesn't matter what's going on. Mm-hmm. But if you feel safe enough to take that journey, you know, here with both of us, yeah. you know, dinner with me, which mm-hmm. you do, yep. and then <laughs> go with Megan and I to a client, right, with both of us again. But yep. it, are you following what I'm saying? It's Absolutely. like, like it's, we, it's we the, need
2: that. Yeah. The idea that authenticity is beginning to kind of like rise in value. In our society, I think social media. Greater currency, yeah. Social media, even in marketplace settings, I think that the stigma of having to put on your nice face, make sure that everything is just nice and everything is fine when you go to work, I think the stigma of that is lessening in our in our day and age because social media is so accessible all the time. You're getting maybe not the real self of people, but a more raw self from time to time and because people are putting their Oscar winning performances on social media, obviously, but like we, you, you, you know, it's just, I, I think that these slow, there's a slow and steady breakdown of having to live two separate lives. You know what I mean? And I think that's a good thing. I, you know, it complicates things for sure, but I think it is, it ends up being a good thing. The, the choice that I do think people can make Megan that, and I think that this is important and it, is that, I think that humans are, you know, of course they have this dignity inside them. I think that a human, any human being can make a choice to not give a damn what anybody else thinks. And if you have just gone through something life-alteringly tragic, then I think you do need to give yourself permission to not be okay for a little while. To still work hard, still get your job done, to do all of that type of stuff. But if you're not necessarily smiling at the water cooler, you need to feel okay about operating in that. Until you know, you just walk, through. you just be honest with people, and just be like, "Look, man, I, you know, I'm not just bouncing around right now, and I kind of don't care what you think. This is the real me right now because of X, Y, and Z that's gone on. You know, so
0: and I love that. Just don't, yeah. That's yeah. it's great. A, a friend that? of
2: mine called it the rise of the real." The rise yeah, of the that's real, really that's good. the, like, that's, that's kind of what's happening in our younger generations is they feel like they, they almost, they're entitled to be them, their full selves, oh, yeah. you know, which I think is a beautiful awakening.
0: So I, I love that. The rise of the real. I love that. Just not give a damn. I mean, I, I feel like that's very yeah. important to like, I'm not worried about you, but here's what's cool. If we could do that without a problem. Yeah. Wouldn't that be really cool to say, no, I care about you, I love you, respect you, honor you, but man, I got to figure this thing out, mm-hmm. but man, it's so much better when you can, like, you know, what's funny is, like, I think you said that you and I did something in Anderson?
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. Back at the Civic Center. <laughs> Civic Center, yeah. <laughs> With Israel and New- Was it Israel and New Breed? I, well, maybe so. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So long way back.
0: Yeah. I went down to Atlanta, picked them up, brought them up here. So yeah. So I mean, it's like, and then Clayton and I go back. Yeah. I don't know. 20. He was the first one. Okay. So I had so much pride in me with my long hair and curls. Clayton (laughs) shaved it. Really? I asked him to. Wow. Yeah. I used my hair. Yeah. I mean, people listening are probably going to go. He's what the hell? Is hey, he but he's he is
2: the trusted friend who yeah. would love you all the way through. He sure
0: will. Well, he did. Yeah. He he came to. I was going through <laughs> the worst. I, it was like the worst thing in my life. Mm. I was. I mean, I was like borderline murder one. Mm. You know. And Clayton came all the way from this thing that we did together, drove all the way to my house, knocked on my door, and left me a little note, and then left. That's all he did. Yeah, that sounds like him. <laughs> and and so I called him the next day. I had a bag phone. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. But it was. It oh, you're was just, dating yourself right yeah, now. Yeah, man. yeah. Well, no. the, yeah. So I've known him before then. But so, anyways, long story short, it was really cool. And he just was there and he belonged me into my next level of believing. Yeah, man. He was just really good to belong me into my believing. Yeah. And I had him literally take clippers mm-hmm. and I said, take off all my hair. And yeah. ever since then, I just have yeah. kept it. I've never let it grow a certain length because I didn't want to carry that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I felt like for myself, it was good for me. It was an adornment. It was something I could use. Mm-hmm. And he and I in our conversations, he helped me with that. Like just being that person that said, hey, you know what, Tim, you don't need to care about all that other stuff. We challenged each other. He and I were like Paul and Barnabas. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like oh, we yeah. were, we weren't uh, Paul and Timothy at all. We were yep. just Paul and Barr. I'm not impressed with you. You're not yeah. impressed with me.
2: He's that guy who, you're like, like I was telling you earlier. It's like, hey, I'm going to be needy
0: for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll promise yeah. I'll pay you back. Yeah. You know? And so <laughs> he did that with me, and we he shaved my head, and then we went rock climbing. Yeah. And it's his, you know, up at uh, Crowder's Mountain. Mm-hmm. So Man. I'm saying all this to say, in in all of those changes and challenges and things like that, how do you help a person to say? It's okay to fail forward. Mm -hmm. It's okay to not be popular. It's okay. I mean, you know what I mean? Like to make a decision that's not popular. Sure. To stand still and be where you are today because you're still figuring it out, right? Mm -hmm. You'll know that you're okay when you get there.
2: Right. You just got to admit it's not okay right now. Mm. And it might not be okay for a while. But it's going to be. I mean that's that's sometimes the best type of thing. I mean you can't come up to somebody who's experiencing loss or a major life decision or something like that and be like, "Man, come on, it's going to be all right." Right. No nobody resonates with that. The 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 way to get somebody's attention and to care for them deeply in that moment is to be like, "Hey man, it's really not going to be okay for a little while, mm-hmm. but I'm going to be here. I'm going to be close." and I'm going to walk with you through it until we're both able to look each other in the face and say man this is really great. You know it's it's still not okay. It's actually freaking awesome. You know what I mean? Hmm. So that's that's a corner you can turn. There and that's you know there is gold inside of every tragedy because of what it draws out in you when when you see what's inside people when they get squeezed. You know what I mean? When you get squeezed what's inside you comes out. You know, and the only way to truly manage that well, to grow from that, to walk through that is to have some people around you who will hold your hand through it, who will, you know, let you be vulnerable and without judgment, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Uh.
1: So. I mean, obviously, you know, our show is called Uphill Conversations, Mm -hmm. and um, we kind of get that name because we believe that everything worth having in life is uphill, but you can't get uphill with downhill habits. So I'm curious. I mean, you shared a little bit about the journey and some of the challenges, and um, those were big things. But Mm -hmm. recently, have you faced any uphill challenges? And if so, how did you overcome them, or, or are you still on the climb.
2: Yeah, I mean I, I think it's always a climb to 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 some degree. The you know, I, I just recently took this this role as Greenville Campus Pastor kind of moving from uh, you know, I was doing something centrally for our church, but my wife and I had lived in Greenville for a little while. Taking this new role is totally different. Totally different world. Um, and, and so a lot of the challenges there they definitely have felt uphill, but the beautiful thing about it is, I feel like I got the wind at my back while I'm moving uphill. Um, the The disciplines inside of it, I think that you know, if you're talking about what kind of things can you do to order your life so that you're, you know, you you keep momentum going forward. I think in you know, for me, and and this is my wife's strong encouragement has been honestly, to do the things that will take care of me and her and our kids first, just from a soul care perspective. So this sounds silly, but 5 a.m. every day, that's when the alarm goes off. I spend time in prayer, reading the scriptures, and then by 5.45, I'm at the gym and you know, exercising my body a little bit, come back home by 6.30 in order to handle a two-year-old and a five-month-old you know, and, and to be a blessing inside my own house. That daily routine Keeps the wheels moving, even if the progress we make up the hill is kind of slow. Mm-hmm. So there, there is, you know, an uphill current, like the, um, one, you know, and, and this is the pastor and me coming out. Forget the description. Psalm 23 is one that most people know the Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. It makes me lie down in green pastures, leave me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Talking with this Messianic, Jewish, Israeli guy. We're talking about like the pathway up the mountain is a, is a circular
0: pathway. Yeah. Yep.
2: And so you find yourself moving in circles in, in life and it may seem at times like you are legitimately moving in circles, not going anywhere, but there is always the uphill grade that you are moving. When you come back around to that another moment again, you can see the altitude that you've gained. And so I think that these little daily habits, they help us to keep moving along that circle. You know, you're going around the hill one more time and one more time again, you're at this another point again, learning the same lesson again. So that, that's where I feel like, I don't know if that answers your question in the right way, but those, like, basic kind of life care things are, I feel like, so important in order to keep you focused and moving when your day might have 10 – I mean, every single day might be totally different. For somebody like me as an artist, I'm not naturally disciplined at all. That's definitely what? a learned thing. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about?
0: I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. I mean but, you don't have a Franklin planner? Oh, geez.
2: <laughs> I, I I really do feel like like – if artists want to make great art, they've got to employ discipline so that yeah. they can just be sane humans fit for society. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> and so good. they can actually produce. I mean, like, you know, artists who don't make art aren't artists. Right. And, and so the discipline helps you to stay in the game, keep your head in the game. Yeah. So I think that like from from that perspective, if you're, if you're going uphill, if the grade is really, really steep, the, the opposition against you, the gravity backwards is going to be pretty tough. hmm but the thing that I have have discovered is the the greater the opposition, that's a signal to the, you know the, um, the treasure that's ahead. You know what I mean? So,
0: yeah. What are three things you are optimistic about?
2: Three things I am optimistic about in the about. next year, twelve months. Yeah, in the next twelve months. Number one thing that I am optimistic about is a is a wild breath of wonderful fresh air moving through Greenville from a spiritual standpoint. A radical unity that goes across racial lines, that goes across denominational lines. I feel like that Greenville is going to continue to be really one of the most wonderful places to live because, I mean, I think socioeconomic, racial, all all these these lines are going – love is going to bridge a gap between all this stuff. That's one major thing. I mean, put the revival tag on it if you want to. I feel like revival is coming – to our city in so many ways that even if you don't believe in in Jesus if you if you you know if you don't believe in anything I really believe that you will experience the benefit of something like that because it's just like something about 2018 we've been calling it around our office we've been calling it 2018
0: yeah well you know number 8 is the number of new beginning
2: hey well, there see, you go.
0: that's my favorite number. There you go. Just new beginning. Yeah.
2: So it, that's that's a big one. Revival okay. is a big one, and that may be the primary one. I feel like okay. there is something beautiful coming next year. All right, so.
0: So you want to make that your all-encompassing That's one, two,
2: and three for me, man. (laughs) It really, really is. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Well, uh, Lee, thank you so much for spending so much time with us today. I know that um, our listeners are really going to enjoy just hearing the different things that you had to say. I think you have a great perspective and um, you have a great heart, and I think that really comes through. Um, So we really appreciate it. I think it would be awesome if you could tell our listeners how they can find you, connect with you.
2: Sure. Uh, I mean, you know, if you're in the Greenville area, I'd love to meet you personally at our church on a Sunday it's at um, dinner sometime. with us as well. That oh, you're with us. taking me to. That's right. That's right. Um, I
0: didn't tell you where though, did I?
2: No, no. I mean, I'm hoping it's Waffle House or McDonald's or something. No, nah, bro. Um, but probably we're going to Husk. Is probably what's happening. No, but um, I'll do. What, I'll do the White Duck. Oh yeah, cool. White duck talkers, I love yeah. it. Yeah, I yeah. But we, uh, it's on. The other place you can get a hold of me, Lee at Lee McDermott on Instagram is probably is probably the best. And if you're okay with seeing lots of cute kid pictures, um, you know, so that's that's pretty much it.
0: Well, man, we <laughs> love this. You don't have to take me to the white duck, but you can. <laughs> and this, I, I hope you've enjoyed your time. And we've it's been, been awesome. You guys are great, hospitable to you. Have you've enjoyed that. it, laughed a lot. Go home, something to talk about to your kid, even the (laughs) youngest one that may not understand. (laughs) (laughs) Then they can meet me, right? (laughs) After our white duck dinner. Uncle Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can go with Uncle Tim. (laughs) So anyways, this has been another episode of Uphill Conversations. Um, It's been a great conversation with our friend Lee McDermott. Uh, Always remember you can be more, do more, and have more. Your reasons for being, doing, and having are for you to figure out and no one else. Always remember your current condition does not match your emerging future and never will. Anything worth having is uphill, but you cannot go uphill with downhill habits. But most importantly, you will see me, Megan, and Lee on the hill.
2: You've been listening to Uphill Conversations. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to the show at UphillConversations.co. See you on the hill.